welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. Want to drive a new electric car but can't afford it? We can help. A new online raffle lets you win your EV dream car all while helping the planet. Visit evraffle.org to win a Tesla, Rivian, or a Lucid Air with 500-mile battery. Secan Action Fund uses all proceeds to promote clean energy. That's evraffle.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Clean Technica's Clean Tech Talk. I'm your host, Joe Boris, and I'm joined today by Josh Hermes of Polaris. Josh, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Joe. Really appreciate it and excited to talk to you. Oh, yeah. You know, so Josh and I have crossed paths a couple of times. Uh, you know, he's uh, obviously been a part of Polaris now for a while, and he's been leading their uh, electrification efforts, especially in terms of the off-road ATV segment, the Polaris Kinetic XP is the first collaboration is the first results of the collaboration with zero motorcycles. It's 110 horsepower, all electric ATV. And Josh, can you tell us a little bit about your title and the role that you have in bringing this product to market? Yeah, for sure. So I'm the vice president of electric vehicles for our off-road business unit at Polaris. And so really I'm responsible for overseeing the commercialization of our electric vehicles. And as you mentioned, Ranger XP Kinetic is the first fully electric vehicle that's born out of the partnership that we have with Zero Motorcycles and really excited to be bringing that product to market. So production is actually underway now, which is very exciting. And we're going to start shipping that product soon. So really looking forward to getting it into the hands of our customers and out into the marketplace. It's going to be a tremendous thing. And, and that's actually big news because, you know, we've been talking about this now, it feels like for about six, seven months and to have this actually become a real thing and something that people are going to be able to finally experience firsthand is going to be really exciting. I don't know if uh, listeners remember about, uh, I think last August or September, I had the chance to go out to road America in Wisconsin and go on some of the off-road trails with this vehicle. And it, it was really eye-opening in terms of how fast it was, how quick it was. If your experience with electric ATVs, you know, was the previous, you know, the previous electric Polaris, this is a whole other universe. It's a massive upgrade, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, when we set out to design this product, one of the things that we really set forth was that we weren't just making an electric Ranger for the sake of making an electric Ranger, but it was really about delivering a better customer experience and delivering the best Ranger ever. So to your point, when you ride it, it's, it's, it's a totally different experience when you're riding the vehicle in terms of the performance, the capability, the quiet ride, all of those things. It's, it's really far above and beyond what people may have experienced in the past. And even as you compare it to some of the other products out there, it's just a phenomenal experience from a product standpoint. And so really excited to get it out there, let people experience it. You had the opportunity to experience uh, the product and you certainly had some very positive feedback, which we appreciate. And I'd say that's fairly consistent with everybody that's been on it, whether it's a customer at a demo experience, a dealer, other media members, everybody that's tried the product has absolutely loved it. 
Yeah. And I mean, the acceleration is there, the performance is there, but there's a lot of really clever features built into it. I was really impressed with the Ride Command Plus, which was one of the uh, the software offerings that we got to experience. Do you want to talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So these products come with Ride Command Plus. So it is connected technology that's in the vehicle. And what that does is it actually provides you information about the vehicle remotely right to the palm of your hand through our ride command app. So things like issue diagnostics on the vehicle, vehicle health, such as charge status, time of next service, where the vehicle is located, all that can be accessed remotely right through the ride command app through ride command plus. And that's got to be a huge benefit because we're talking about two different things, right? So now we're talking about bringing features that previously had only been available on very high-end electric vehicles, whether you're talking about remote diagnostic, over-the-air updates, things like that. You know, we're bringing that to the ATV space, to the power sports space. So that in and of itself is big news. But then when you start talking about, as you said, the location of the vehicle, the status of the vehicle, if you're, you know, a commercial customer, if you're, if you have a rental fleet of ATVs or you're a hotel that's doing, you know, off-road tours or something like that, you can now in, in almost real time, keep a, keep track of your fleet, see what they're doing, see what the battery state is, see if there's an issue and ultimately keep track of everybody who's on there without the need to go out and, and, you know, buy all kinds of management software and everything else. It's already built into it. Yeah, it's certainly a lot of benefits for fleet customers for all the things that you just said, right? The, the ability to remotely monitor your fleet right through the ride command app, very powerful, very convenient for that customer. But also we have a lot of individual customers who keep their vehicle at a secondary property that's not conveniently located to home base. And so, the ability to see if I've got it at a, a cabin for the summer or a hunting camp or some other property, I've got somebody borrowing it, the ability to still keep an eye on the vehicle, understand what the vehicle health is, state of charge, all of that uh, remotely is, is a great benefit for customers. You know, that's a great point. And I hadn't thought of that. You know, we have, my family has a cabin up in Wisconsin that we go to, we do kind of the summer thing and we pretend to be hobby farmers for a couple of weeks out of the year. (laughs) And it's never occurred to me, but that's a great point. You know, if if I lock that thing up in October and I come back in March and it's gone, I have no idea when it left. I have no idea when it disappeared or where it went, but with ride command plus, I would know immediately as soon as it started moving and I could open up the app and kind of see where it was. So that sense of security and peace of mind is obviously huge. But you know, it does kind of bring me to this idea of sometimes you do leave a vehicle, you know, where you put it on stay bill or something and you put the battery tender on it and then you're gone for the winter. What do you do with an electric vehicle? Is there a winterization process that's fundamentally different? No, generally there's no winterization process. The the vehicle will hold state of charge for a very long time. So as you think about having it sit over the winter, typically we would say charge it up beforehand and then you don't need to keep it plugged in over the winter. You can let it sit. The vehicle will hold state of charge and be ready for you when you get back in the spring. And so that's one of the great benefits just overall about the vehicle as you look at it is the reduced amount of maintenance that you have on an electric vehicle whether it's that or changing fluids, engine oil, things like that. You just don't have that. And so the overall ease of ownership is greater on an electric vehicle such as XP Kinetic. 
Yeah. And, you know, that's a really good point, because when you do have a vehicle that you winterize, it's real easy to get that wrong or forget and skip a step. And then you don't really know that it's happened until the next March or April when, you know, you've got gummed up carburetors. Now you have to have a technician come out or else, you know, tow it into a a service center and have it flushed out and cleaned up with an EV. You don't have any of those issues. You just kind of disconnect it, put a cover on it, come back, and then it's ready to ride, or at least ready to plug back in and, and charge if the battery has been drained, you know, to, to below your, your level of happiness. But you know, annual annual services, annual inspections, things like that, they they've all got to be very minimalized compared to internal combustion. Yeah, pretty minimal. I mean, there's still things on the vehicle that need to be serviced as you look at the front drive and, and rear drive and some other things. And so certainly would recommend following the owner's manual in terms of maintenance schedule. But yeah, overall, as compared to an internal combustion powered vehicle, definitely a lot less maintenance. But there's a lot, you know, so now we're starting to talk about some of the ways that this vehicle is similar to a, and I don't want to use the word standard, right? Because that's kind of, uh, that's kind of putting the impetus on, or not impetus, that's kind of putting the emphasis on internal combustion. And, and, you know, we like to promote electric here, but let's say that, you know, we're talking about the ways that it's similar to an internal combustion ranger to the ranger that people have had now, some of them for many years. And it is a very similar product. And I was reading somewhere that like 95% of the accessories on the market, you know, the doors, the windshields, the winches, all of that kind of thing would directly transfer over. And I, I assume all that was done intentionally. Yeah, absolutely. So to your point, there are a lot of similarities between Ranger XP Kinetic and Ranger XP 1000. The accessory offering is one of those. So to your point, 95% of the accessories that are offered on XP 1000 are compatible with XP Kinetic. And that's great, not only for customers, but for our dealers as well, as you think about carrying inventory of accessories, working across both those products. But you think about things like have accessories, whether it be a roof, windshield, rear panels, doors, especially if you live in a, a colder climate, uh, those are great. A winch, lighting, those are pretty common accessories that people have put on an XP1000. We also expect those will be put on the XP Kinetic as well. And then we have some accessories that are unique to this product because it's electric. One is an electric heater. Uh-oh. So that's, yeah, absolutely great for the winter. And one of the, the big benefits of that is it's almost instantaneous heat coming out of that. So very nice for the winter time. And you can also upgrade the charging on the vehicle. So you can add an additional three kilowatts of onboard charging. So you would take the premium from three kilowatts to six kilowatts, or you'd take the ultimate from six kilowatts to nine kilowatts. So again, a lot of carryover, but then also some unique accessories to this product as well. Nice. And, you know, so I think that that is going to make it easier for, you know, what I would call like a smaller fleet that still does lease these vehicles, whether that's a municipal fleet or like a college campus or or even a uh, industrial campus that has, you know, security guards that have to cruise around the ability to just kind of get the new vehicle, even, you know, as electric vehicle and transfer over a lot of their accessories is going to be huge for them. Are you finding you know, we don't really think about things like range when we talk about, you know, when we talk about ATVs and power sports, but obviously it's the kind of the first question that everybody asks about an electric car. How do you answer questions about range? Because again, power sports and ATVs and off-roaders typically think of those in terms of hours rather than in terms of miles, right? 
You know, when we get the question, people are still thinking about it actually in terms of miles. And, and that is one of the first questions that we get is what is the range? And so for those listening, we have two different models. We have a premium model and an ultimate model. On the premium, the range is up to 45 miles. On the ultimate, the range is up to 80 miles. And what we've found through our consumer research, through talking to customers that have demoed product at events, to talking to dealers, others, that, that range is, is plenty for most people that are using the product for a utility use case. As you think about doing maintenance around the property, hunting near near uh, base camp, things like farming, ranching, where typically you're, you're around home base, you're not traveling very far, you still have the ability to go out and ride it recreationally with that amount of range. And so we find that that range is actually very well received uh, for this product. Yeah. And I feel like that makes a ton of sense, right? Because when you're on a farm and you're looking at different things, you're not like cruising along at, you know, the way that you would be in a car where you're just cruising at a constant speed and trying to cover miles. You're kind of, you know, you go a couple hundred yards, you stop, you go a little bit further, you stop. And I think the critical thing to remember is unlike an internal combustion vehicle where you just leave it idling and it kind of revs and revs and putters along, when you're not moving, when your foot's off the uh, accelerator pedal, it, it's not using any juice. It's just kind of sitting there in a, in a idle state, right? Yeah, it's exactly it. You know, we'll talk to people that will say, well, I use my Ranger all day and they do. But to your point, it's I'm in it for a little bit, then I'm out of it for a long time, then I'm back in it for a little bit. So they may be in and out of it all day, but the amount of miles that are traveled or the amount of time that it's actually running is it's quite low. And then you couple that with, to your point, an electric vehicle, when it's just sitting there, it's it's not consuming energy. The range that's on this vehicle is is more than sufficient for most utility use cases, based, again, on, on everything that we've seen as we've done research, as well as talking to customers. Yeah. And, you know, one other advantage to it is because all of the electric torque is available kind of instantaneously it really doesn't seem to care when it's towing anything, right? Like, it's not like when you have a internal combustion, you know, like if you had like a, you know, like a Honda 700 Rancher or something, you're trying to pull a mower behind it or trying to use it as a snowplow, you burn through that fuel real quickly because you're really loading that motor. The electric motors don't seem to respond that way. They kind of don't really care what you're trying to do with them. They just kind of go where they need to go. Yeah, the electric powertrain really loves that low speed work application. That's where it's really happy. You have that linear torque curve and the incredible low speed drivability. And so for people that are doing work around the property, again, a farm or ranch application, people that have big plots of land, hobby farms, things like that, phenomenal product. Whether you're yeah. just creeping along the fence line spraying, you've got um, feed to haul, the, the, the vehicle loves to be put to work and it really shines in that application. But then when you want to let loose on a, a Friday afternoon and go have some fun, it's, it's a super fun product to ride. The acceleration is, is certainly a lot of fun. You, you got to experience that, right? You know what that felt like. And it did, it, you know, and it's funny because like, I, I feel like I know intellectually, like I know in my heart, the Honda Raptor is probably faster but it really didn't feel that way because there was no noise. It's just kind of like whoosh and you're moving and it, it, it's very unsettling is not the word, but it's a very different sensation 
then, you know, if you're used to driving, uh, you know, something internal combustion that's fast, whether it's like, you know, a, a Razor or that Honda Talon or whatever it is, this really does feel, even though it's a utility body, it does feel every bit as quick as those other machines. Yeah, that fun factor is there for sure. And, and that's, it definitely puts a smile on your face when you, when you put it down and, and accelerate like that. But the, the quiet you talked about, yeah, it definitely provides a different experience in that application. But where it really shines is where you're, you're cruising slow, right? And so yes. you're on a trail ride through the woods, you're cruising around the property in the morning, you can hear the birds chirping, you can hear the leaves rustling in the wind. It's just a totally different experience when you're out there riding the product, that, that quiet ride. You've got somebody with you. You can carry on a conversation at a, a, a normal level of volume. And so just such a huge advantage of the electric powertrain is how quiet it operates. Yeah. And then that's true, too, for a number of applications. Like if you have livestock, if you have animals, they're much less disturbed by an EV than they are, you know, by uh, internal combustion, not only because of the sound, but the smell as well. And I imagine hunters and photographers, you know, whether even, you know, if you're out there shooting birds with a camera instead of with a rifle, you're still going to get that same benefit, right? Because you're not going to freak out all the wildlife by making all this noise and kind of thundering through the trail and then leaving this scent behind you. You're going to just kind of be a part of the environment that you're out there to record. Yeah, you definitely, it, it, that's definitely the case, you know, is we've got a, at our R and D facility in Wyoming, Minnesota, we've got a, a huge trail system. And when you go right out there, you see all kinds of wildlife, deer and, and, and so on and so forth. And it's just such a cool experience to be riding along and see that and, they're not bothered by the noise of the vehicle or the scent of the vehicle. And then to your point, for a hunting application, that's huge. Your ability to get up that much closer to where you're going to be hunting or that much closer to game in the vehicle versus having to park way away and then walk in. And so definitely a huge advantage, not only from a hunting perspective, but just also a personal enjoyment perspective as you're riding through the trails as well. Absolutely. So we've talked about, you know, kind of this, this kind of threefold really big advantage of electric vehicles. Number one, the reduced maintenance, the reduced cost of uh, ongoing ownership, long-term ownership. The number two, we talked about the ability to get further out into the field and be quieter in that quiet kind of scentless operation. And we've talked about the performance and the ability to use these kind of high load, low speed tools to the advantage. What are some other advantages of going electric that a lot of people may not think of? Yeah, one that I'd call out is just the overall uh, cost of ownership. So as you think about we, when we talked about maintenance earlier and the reduced maintenance, you also think about not consuming fuel, things like that. If you actually look across a five-year period for the vehicle, it's about $3,500 less to own over that five-year period in terms of just overall operating costs and maintenance costs. So it's a pretty significant advantage when you look at it on, a, on an annual basis. Oh, that's huge. And if you've got, you know, if you've got a fleet of five of these things, you know, that saves you enough to buy a sixth one, right? I mean, that's $3,500, quite a bit of money. Yeah, it starts to pay off for sure. So when you're looking at the vehicle, considering that total cost equation is, uh, is important. Yeah, for sure. Are there, and, and you may not know the answer to this, I may have to just kind of do some research and 
pretend to be a journalist. <laughs> Are there incentives out there for uh, maybe not necessarily, you know, hobby farmers, but are there incentives out there for different municipal fleets to electrify their ATVs? Like I can imagine, you know, parks departments all over the country would love to do something like this just for no other reason than kind of like the positive PR that you get from electrifying, right? Yeah, there's certainly, as you look across, it's very localized, right, at the, the state and local level in terms of uh, potential incentives for municipalities and things like that. So, there, there's stuff out there and every local agency is a little bit different, but certainly as you just look holistically at the demand that's coming from fleet customers, there's there's really strong demand there driven by not only just the benefits of the product, but also some of the other requirements that they're facing around fleet conversion and, and things like that. So certainly, um, certainly a lot of opportunity there. So this actually brings up a really good point. You know, you're talking about the amount of demand that's coming in and you're, you're seeing all that. And, you know, by the time this gets edited and goes out to the public and everything, people listening to this, they're going to be able to go online and order one of these, right? So by the time this comes out, so we are going to take more customer orders this summer on this. Oh, product. okay. Okay. Yep. So, so, so we are uh, in production now. We'll start shipping the product soon. And then this summer, we'll take additional orders for the product. So coming this summer, customers that have been waiting will have an opportunity to uh, place an order. And they place an order through the website or they go through their local dealer? They'll be able to, they'll be able to go online to initiate that process or also reach out to their local dealer. Right. And that makes sense, right? Because you're not going to, I mean, this isn't going to show up in my, uh, you know, it's not going to show up at my house in a big box from UPS and I got to put it together. This is something you want the dealer to assemble and verify and test out, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the dealers, first of all, dealers are key partners for us. And so they're very much a part of the overall process. And even customers that initiate an order online, ultimately that gets sent to the dealer. The dealer will follow up and complete the order with the customer. So it all flows through the dealer and vehicle would deliver to the dealer. Customer would work with them then for pickup or delivery. And then the dealer would, well, I guess not always, right? But the dealer would be able at that point to install any additional accessories that you wanted. If you wanted to take on, for example, that electric cabin heater, the windscreen, any of that good stuff, the dealer could help you walk you through not only the available options, but also the installation. So when you picked it up, it was perfectly tailored for exactly what you wanted to do. You don't have to mess with that once it gets to you. Yeah, absolutely. The dealers are a great resource in terms of helping you understand what's available for accessories, what's going to work really well for your use case, how you're going to be utilizing the product, and then they can help with installation and all that. So dealers are a great resource for people that are looking to get one of these vehicles, looking to accessorize it and, uh, and help with installation of those accessories. Something else I'd like to call out quick as well is we've got, when we introduce the product, we also introduce a partnership that we have with a company called Qmerit. And Qmerit actually is a, a third party that helps with uh, installation of level two charging at home. And so for customers that are interested in one of these products or receiving one of these products, and they want to take advantage of faster charging, and they might not have level two charging capability at home, Qmerit is a great partner to work with, they can help set you up with a resource to come get that installed. And so just wanted to call that out as something that we're making available to customers as well. 
No, a hundred percent. And, you know, we've had Tracy, Tracy Price is the CEO of Q Merit. He was on a recent episode of uh, our podcast and he's a great guest. And one of the things that we talked about there was the local utility programs that exist as far as incentives. So you can actually get in some areas, the utility company will help pay for that installation of the level two charging. So even if you have you know, uh, 220 at your barn or, or at your, you know, large garage or whatever, they can still, there are still incentives out there on the actual charging equipment and QMERA can help talk you through that process as well. So you go to the Polaris dealer, you pick up your vehicle while you're there, you talk to their uh, parts counter and they'll, it's usually in the parts and service and they'll set you up with, uh, you know, an appointment with QMERA's people and, and that does handle it. So that was actually going to be my next question was, for people who are buying these and using the dealer as a resource, the dealer can be a resource, not only for charging questions and accessories, but the dealer can actually answer questions about this before they have one. So if you're trying to figure out if this is the right vehicle for you, they're going to be right there to kind of walk you through the process and give you the pros and cons of electric. And although I got to tell you, I can't think of any cons to electric. I kind of think that a power sports application is one of the best applications for electrification because you're not doing that long haul, you know, four or 500 mile trips in something like this. What are some of the cons that might be there? Right. Cause I think in terms of not going electric for the sake of electric, this really does seem like one of those applications where there are no cons. It's all upside for the electric powertrain. Yeah, we think electric powertrain technology provides a lot of advantages for a lot of different customers, but we know it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. There are certain customers out there that do use their product primarily recreationally and do put long miles on riding, and it might not be for them depending on how long they ride in a day, if that exceeds the range and what the charging network looks like, where they're out riding. And so so that that's probably the biggest one is we just hear people say, hey, how I'm using it and how long I ride, the range just doesn't quite meet what I need. Or the other one that we've heard some is if if you're in a really remote location, right, kind of off the grid for a number of days and you're going to be riding it that whole time is just access to charging. So those cases are pretty rare, though. I'd say for the, the vast majority of people that are using this product for utility use cases as it's intended with some, you know, light recreation, it, it's a it's a phenomenal product. Yeah. You know, you, you make me think of this. We had a, uh, I, I had a conversation with a gentleman from BYD, uh, which is a Chinese automaker. And we were mm-hmm. talking about Chile and the South American country of Chile. And he was saying that they actually had a really high rate of electric vehicle adoption, that they were like over 30% already, which is even higher than California. And I said, I think, and I said, that's just fantastic because you would think that the infrastructure would be really weak down there. They wouldn't know where they were going to get a charge and that might dissuade them from buying electric. And he said, you don't understand. There's electricity at every house. It may only be 110 or 220, or I think there it's, you know, 120 or 240, but they know that there's electricity there where they, what they don't know is whether or not there's going to be a gas station or whether or not once you get to the gas station, if it's going to have any gas. So yeah, they may be stuck charging overnight, but Hey, they'll get electricity. So I'm wondering if this is going to be something that we're going to see in the Latin American market and how quickly it's going to take off there. I think there's definitely opportunity globally. As you just look at a macro level, there's many countries that are ahead of the U S in terms of adoption of EVs. And so as we look at 
power sports growth globally and electric as a part of that, we certainly see a lot of opportunity there uh, in a number of different countries. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know that we're not going to out you and get you to kind of speak towards any future product, but I think that it's worth noting that Polaris is a lot more than just ATVs. I mean, you have kind of, uh, you know, you know, you guys are in kind of every aspect of power sports from a corporate perspective, whether it's, you know, motorcycles or, or, or watercraft or anything else. So what are some of the opportunities that you see as we go towards electrification? Is everything going to be electric eventually? You know, is is there something where you can see like, yeah, we're going to still see, you know, long distance touring motorcycles are going to stay gas, you know, gasoline powered longer. Maybe we'll see sport bikes come on sooner. Are you thinking that, you know, the more sporty kind of performance oriented Polaris ATVs are going to stay internal combustion for a while. What do you think are some of the the big opportunities? And again, from, from a, a global level that other companies might look at electrification and say like this area makes sense, this market makes sense. Yeah, we certainly see that certain use cases are more there's certain use cases where electric is going to be more beneficial than others. Take utility, for example, which is where we started with Ranger XP Kinetic. But what I would say is we're really taking the approach of testing broadly and commercializing purposefully. So you mentioned we've got a broad portfolio. We're always testing across the portfolio to try new technology, try new innovation, learn, iterate, refine, So that when the customer is ready for that, and we've got a great mass between offering and customer need, then we're ready to capitalize on that. And so so as we approach electrification, it's really about testing across the portfolio, understanding the technology, but being very purposeful about where we choose to commercialize product. Fair enough. And I just, you know, again, this is just me speaking, and I know that you can't speak to this at all. I totally get it. But like, I really want to ride an electric snowmobile. So if you guys are working on that, just put me on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. Yeah, please. So, all right. Now, Josh, this is really exciting stuff because I think for a lot of people who are ranchers, especially, you know, municipalities and things like that, for a lot of people who buy these power sports, it's really important to them to be able to buy from Polaris because it is a North American company and they're excited about it. But a lot of these components are made overseas, right? So, I mean, are you using overseas batteries? Is that something that, you know, you guys are getting from China? How does that work? So the Ranger XP Kinetic is manufactured in our Huntsville, Alabama facility. So really excited to be building XP Kinetic there at our Huntsville manufacturing location. And then our batteries are assembled actually in our Osceola, Wisconsin facility. So we assemble our batteries in Wisconsin, ship those over to Alabama and then manufacture the vehicle in Alabama. Well, that's cool. I mean, I think that's really neat too, because a lot of people, you know, you hear Alabama, you don't really think of that as like super ultra high technology, but if you, you know, if you were ever in the air force or you followed NASA and space stuff, Huntsville, Alabama, I mean, that's like space camp. That's a big deal for, you know, high tech kind of endeavors, which, you know, we, we think about this as an ATV, but this is a high tech product. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of manufacturing in the the Huntsville area. Uh, great location for us. Uh, really excited to be producing the product there. And so, to your point, it's a very sophisticated product. There's a lot of technology. That facility is very much capable of that. And so, it's a, a really good opportunity for us. 
Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thanks.